welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 29th of April 2017 and there goes another month. We're into May next week which seems absolutely unbelievable. I was back to the writing today, very very happy to be back to the writing. I've heard other authors say they get antsy when they don't write and I'm the same. I think you get into this rhythm and if I don't do any writing during a week it really makes me very antsy. So delighted to be back to Burden of Guilt again. Actually, when I was writing today, I came up with a a three-word phrase. I forgot what it is now. It's in Scrivener. I thought, oh, that's a good title for this book, if not a title for another book. So Burden of Guilt might be changing title once again. I'll have a think about it and um, see whether anybody else has used that title for books. I always need to run a check just to make sure it hasn't been used already. It doesn't really matter if it hasn't been used already, but I just need to make sure it's not been a bestseller or anything like that. Uh, so I got, uh, what, 5,264 words written today. So I'm feeling very uh, smug and pleased with myself because I got the writing done. We're up to 15,000 and something words now with Burden of Guilt. And the story's, you know, really, really going now. However, having said that, um, I don't know why I write books like this. and Maybe one day I'll, I'll have to stop doing it. But it's just what I like. And um, the, the the book sort of goes back to 19, I think it's 1992, 1993, for just a couple of scenes, um, something that happened in the past. And uh, I didn't feel ready today, although I made some notes and planned it out, I didn't feel ready to write the 1992 or whatever it was scene today when I was writing. So what I did is I was uh, in the present day story, I was just rattling along, it's fine, it's it's got back to that stage where it just kind of takes care of itself really. And uh, so I, I wrote three chapters in the present today, rather than my usual sort of sequence um, when I'm getting the book going of writing one in the past and two in the present. Um, but I wanted to make sure I hit my word target. So I thought, I, and I'd already written the first sentence of next week's writing because I thought, oh, the, the start of this chapter is, is obvious. So I thought after I had the sandwich for lunch, do you know what? I'm just going to go straight in and write in the present. So I got the 5,000 words done today. And I think I just spent a little bit more time over the weekend. It's a long weekend in the UK this weekend. Um, just thinking a little bit more about what happened in the past. I didn't feel quite ready to, to write that bit today. But uh, I always feel very happy when I've got the writing done. So, um, you know, I'm, I've just literally finished the last 10 minutes. I'm very happy about that. Um, it's been a really interesting week for the, the Don't Tell Meg thrillers. In actual fact, let me just lean across and get them so I can actually handle the paperbacks because um, I got the paperbacks this week. And um, I think originally I wasn't intending to get the paperbacks done. What I've found with my thriller series is that you don't really sell a lot of paperbacks. Um, the Secret Bunk is different because the shop at the Secret Bunker in Scotland, Secret Bunker, they stock those books regularly. So I wouldn't ever take those um, out of publication because they, they buy them in, in, in bulk when they order them, which is fantastic for me. But the, realistically, most self-published authors, I don't think, sell that many paperback books. we just kind of got a different audience. But um, I have made the Grid and the Secret Bunkers tri- trilogies available in paperback. And I wasn't going to do it with the Don't Tell Megs because, you know, it's diminishing returns. But I, um, I did really. Should I tell you why I did it, really? I did it for my mum. My, my mum wants to read the books. And my mum, you know, is uh, won't get a, an e-reader. She won't get a Kindle. 
And I just thought, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll. She did, the science fiction stuff wasn't her thing. I remember we were in Spain and she was, you know, reading it. And I said, you're not enjoying those. I told you you wouldn't. It's science fiction. You don't even like science fiction. But she was doing it, you know, to be a, a loyal mum and support her son. And um, so I, I did say to her, look, you know, when I get into the thrillers, you'll like these because this is just, you know, it's just normal stuff. It's, it's stuff that the great thing about thrillers is that, you know, really everybody can access them. It's not... It is genre fiction, but it doesn't feel as divisive, say, as something like romance would be, um, you know, or, or, or sci-fi. They're very divisive genres, though, as you love them or hate them, as a rule. Uh, but thrillers are more generally accessible, which is why I'm writing them at the moment. So um, I got the paperbacks done, and I, I paid for the formatting, and I thought, you know, I was just going to produce... I said to them, look, I'll produce you some rough copies on CreateSpace. They won't be perfect, but if you take them as they are, you'll at least be able to read the books. So in the end, anyhow... I ended up getting them formatted. Uh, I got is it Frostbite Publishing, uh, paid two hundred and something dollars to get the three books formatted, and I got to tell you, I am really happy with that service. You know, they I, I sent off the scripts, told the gentleman what I wanted. Uh, these books have come back great. Wow, they've saved me a lot of trouble, and they look great in paperback. I'm just flicking through them while I'm talking to you. Really happy with the job they did. So if you are looking for reasonably priced formatting, I've had a really good experience with uh, Frostbite. Uh, publishing and I'll put the link on the show notes for this diary uh, but it was maybe $240 I think it was for well it was that, that must be 240,000 words in those books so it's not very expensive at all not compared to the hassle it is getting books ready for create space now the other thing with these books is is that I've used these just uh, straightforward covers now these covers um are not what I'd ideally go for, but looking at them on paperback form, I'm thinking, do you know what? These are all right. These look fine. Uh, so, you know, they're not, I know they're not brilliant. They haven't been done by some really expensive designer. But I got the basic format done by a designer that was recommended to me on Fiverr.com. Um, so I did get the covers. You know, They have been done by a designer, but not a 400-pound a cover designer. Um, and they've already you know, done way better than I could do because I'm rubbish at this stuff. Um, but seeing seeing these covers on paperbacks, you know, they're sharp, they look fine, they're nicely balanced, they're fine. And um, so it's made me reconsider whether I, I need to be saving up, you know, working hard, saving up and spending money on, on covers. So that's gone into the dither pile again. But I know for the meantime, they look fine. Uh, and, and seeing them in paperback has helped me do that. Now, I've done these paperbacks with the, with the first paperbacks that I did with the Secret Bunker Trilogy and The Grid. I got, um, you know, I paid a lot of money for the covers. The covers were done with spines and, and the background. And, and then you get into all the associated hassles, if you've ever done this, with lining up the spines and going back to the designer and saying that doesn't look quite right. And, you know, all of this nonsense. And so what I've decided to do with these, I've just kept it really simple. I've used the um, design in create space where you just put the cover photo on it exactly the same as it is on Amazon and then I've just picked a color for the back and it it looks absolutely fine and um, so my kind of line with this at the moment with the create space books is you know don't make life complicated if they're on create space they're not going to sell in bookshops um, people who buy them are, are just going to be people who prefer to, to hold a book rather than uh, you know, to read an ebook. People like my mum, for instance, who wouldn't touch an ebook. She, she she wouldn't want to read it like that. And it looks perfectly all right. And you'll see a photo on the resources page. I put photos on there uh, of the book, so you can get a good look at them. But they look absolutely fine. Um, you know, you wouldn't pay your five ninety nine for this and and moan about the quality. It's absolutely fine. 
Um, looks like just a normal book. So th this is going to be my line for the time being on Create Space Books. That I just use a, a straight Kindle cover. I don't get fancy covers with the spines done and everything. I've had a lot of trouble with those in the past. You know, even with professional designers lining them up because Create Space doesn't quite line them uh, correctly. But it looks fine with just a, a plain coloured spine and, and background. It looks perfectly all right. So I'm going with that. Uh, but I will put some extra photos on the resources page so you can make your own judgments about that. And just a reminder, by the way, that, you know, I'm, I, I like to be an early adopter with this stuff. So um, now now you could list paperback books in KDP via your KDP panel. Um, I did do that. I listed Don't Tell Meg there. And then right at the end, it was all fine right until the end. And, and at the end, I couldn't order a proof copy. And there was no way was I going to make a book live, even if I could see a digital proof of it. There's no way am I making a paperback live until I have held it in my hand and can make sure that I haven't messed anything up. And the, the reason that I say that is, I don't know whether you've done this, but you'll know if you've done it, that when you get the proof copies, it sort of shows, um, you know, bleed lines and things like that. I'll be perfectly frank with you. Even though they show you the bleed lines, I'm still not really quite sure until I've seen the book about what's getting cut off and what isn't. So my line with this is, is let me see the book. When I've seen the book and I'm happy with it, then I'll start flogging it because I don't want that kind of negative feedback of people saying, you know, it's chopped off half his name on the cover or anything like that. So that, that is my rule of thumb um, with paperbacks. So until KDP sort that out and let me get proof co copies, uh, I won't be using it. Uh, much as I'd love to. Uh, I'm sure that will come. It's in beta at the moment. I'm sure they'll iron out all the rough spots. Uh, but for me at the moment, I'm not using it to publish my books. I want to hold a copy. Um, and again, you see, I had to go through all the motions with this. I ordered it. I had to pay, well, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was more money than I needed to because I had to order these proofs from the US. Uh, I don't like waiting. So I always get, is it expedited delivery? They call it on Create Space. So I always, I think, virtually end up paying more for the post than I do for the for the proof copies because I'm not prepared to wait. Is it two or three weeks you have to wait? I think it's on Create Space if you just pay the cheapo postage. So I always just pay the postage, take the hit, and get the books here fast because I'm not prepared to wait. Anyhow, it is very very pleasing to have those three paperback books. Um, and whenever I hold the paperbacks, you know, I have to admit to a moment of feeling quite proud that I've written that much. You know, you look at it like that as three books and you think, there's a lot of work gone into those. And I, I do tend to focus, I tend to focus on the end of the journey rather than the journey itself. This is a fault, this is a personal fault and failing in writing and in life. I always look at the end rather than taking in the air, you know, smelling the roses and enjoying the journey. But it's a real benefit of getting the books, as I have done here, and, and just flicking through them and look at all that work and, you know, nicely formatted, all looks lovely on the page and holding three of those books. And they're quite hefty books uh, because they're about 80, 90,000 words. And just taking a moment to say, you know, I did that. That was my summer. Was it last year from April to December? That's what I did between April to December last year. And actually, I feel quite proud at having achieved that. And then when you add them to your bookshelf with the other books that you've written and you start to see this body of work growing... You know, I think proud is the word. I feel quite proud of, of what I've uh, achieved, even though I'm not flogging anywhere near as many as I need to to make a career out of this. Um, you know, the intrinsic value of it um, at a personal level, as a personal achievement level, um, it does it does feel like that's an achievement. Uh, and we're going to have Dead of Night there from, uh, when is it? Wednesday, the 3rd. Uh, Dead of Night gets published on the 3rd of May. So having done my writing this week for Burden of Guilt... Um, it all gets very complicated, doesn't it? But um, 
Dead of Night, I did the edits on. It's going to be published on May the 3rd. Uh, Helen, uh, so I write it, Helen edits it. I do Helen's edits and read it again. And Helen, give, Helen gives it a last sweep for me just to make sure, you know, between us, we haven't missed anything. And so this evening, I'm going to be doing the very last, they're tiny little tweaks. They're really tiny little tweaks. It won't take me very long to do them. And then the very last episode, the very last, you know, draft of Dead of Night will get go to um, KDP. I have to have it in. It gets published on the 3rd of May, but to hit the KDP deadline, I got to have it in by the 29th. And I always get nervous with this because I never, I never know we're in different time zones. So it's probably a certain time in the American time zone. So just to be absolutely sure, I make sure that it's submitted the day before. So KDP are saying uh, it needs to be done by the 29th. I will have it done by close of play 28th in, in UK time. And that way I know that I'm safe because the US is after us. So that's what's getting done after I've recorded and processed this uh, very diary. The last version of Dead of Night goes to KDP and it gets published on Wednesday. And so I hit critical mass with this when I have Burden of Guilt ready. A Burden of Guilt is going to go out on my wife's birthday on the 18th of August. So it, it needs to get written. I'm only at 15,000 words, got to write it. It's going to be a 50,000 word novel. It's going to go to Helen Fazal for editing. I got to re-edit it. Helen will do her final edit and it will be ready to go live on the 18th of August. Uh, in the 18th of August, that's when I hit my critical mass with my strategy for these thrillers because then Dead of Night will go on permafree. It's going to launch at 99p, but it will eventually long-term will go on permafree. Uh, Burden of Guilt will be probably 99p, and then you'll move to Don't Tell Meg. So basically, I'm I'm building trust in me as an author with cheaper books, cheaper, shorter books. But if you like my books by that stage, you haven't sort of ventured a lot of money, you've ventured no money in the case of Dead of Night, then I want you to buy the trilogy. And really, I want you to buy the box set because I'm you know there's good money on the box set. That's really what I want you to do. But if you don't want to buy the box set, you can buy the books individually. Um, you know, it all sort of generates income. But the only time that Don't Tell Meg is going to go for free, it's going to go for free for just one very short period from next week between the 4th of May and actually the 9th of May now. I've just had to extend my my thriller giveaway that I'm running on Insta Freebie. Um, Insta Freebie said that they will promote it for me, but they do they promote crime on Tuesday. So I've just had to extend it by one day. But my... But Don't Tell Meg is going to be free between Thursday 4th and Monday the 8th. And then that's going to be it. I don't really want to make that book free ever again. But while I'm writing all the books I need to do, you know, there's only so much I could do in such a period of time. I'm just going to use this promo, this big promo over next weekend to just get the impetus going on Don't Tell Meg, to get people reading through the series but after that I don't want to I, I will discount it but I don't want to give it away free uh, after that now again you know as with all these things with self-publishers this is dynamic it's fluid if I find a better way to sell the books then I might change that at a later date but my initial plan my initial marketing plan for that is to have dead of night free 
Burden of Guilt at 99p. The next two books I hope to write before the end of year will probably be 199 or 299 and then I want you to pay 399 to get um, Don't Tell Meg and that's going to be my sequence so that I nibble away at the price bit by bit and as you get more trust in me as an author you're prepared hopefully you know to pay for a box set by the time you get to Don't Tell Meg. Either that or you haven't ventured very much money, you don't like my writing and you're never going to buy the trilogy but that, that's where I'm going with this. So just a reminder then that I am running my crime and thriller giveaway from Thursday the 4th and the way that I'm doing this is that Don't Tell Meg will be on a, on a, on a free promo on Amazon between those dates and um, basically I've, I've, got, I've still got another three authors to find actually. I'm really struggling to find crime thriller writers with a, a list of 5k or above. I've put quite a tough requirement on it and, and you know consequently I'm struggling to find the contributors but I, I, will, I will thrash it now. Now my week's work is done and I've got a bank holiday weekend. I should be thrashing it all weekend to get those last contributors because I need them by Thursday when we launch. Going to have to find someone. Um, so um, in that scenario then uh, they will be loading up with Insta Freebie leads, but I will. They will be sending traffic to a web page where people can actually get Don't Tell Meg free through Amazon. So I'm not building leads this weekend. I want people to to pick up Don't Tell Meg for free using traffic that's driven from my crime and thriller giveaway, and and obviously naturally um, through just having a free book on on Amazon. And um, I'm trying to get it as high as I can in the crime and thriller charts, see if we can get a decent position for it, for that sort of positioning uh, screenshot. Uh, and I also want to get Amazon verified reviews. That's that's why I'm I'm not sort of going through Insta Freebie. I want to get the verified reviews from this. So that's why I'm doing it the way that I'm doing it. Uh, so big plans for next week. I'll let you know how they go. I should be in a position to give you some early feedback when I do next week's uh, podcast diary and then full feedback the week after I let you know how it went and whether I'm <laughs> I've shed a gentle tear because it hasn't worked or whether I've, I've actually managed to make that work um, you know and give the book a decent position so so a lot of my activity this week has actually been you know connected with don't tell Meg um, one of the things you'll know that I've wanted to do for a long time is I've wanted to list my books uh, just on Kobo uh, so so um, just as a quick refresher, I put my books on Kobo in the past, but I had some formatting issues in Kobo. So because it was like one of these 80-20 jobs where you think, you know, um, I'm going to spend a lot of time here doing something that isn't going to make a lot of money because you tend not to make very money, much money on the other channels. So I just decided to, to, to put them on draft the digital and let draft the digital because it sorts the formatting out really easily draft the digital to list them on Kobo but that's not really what I wanted to do I wanted to list them directly on Kobo uh, for a number of reasons number one you know Kobo is is a great marketing outlet number two because you can sell your box sets over nine dollars nine pound 99 on Kobo number three because it hits uh, I think it's a pr predominantly Canadian uh, audience as well and also because I want to get the direct analytics through the Kobo interface. And finally, my other reason is that you know we need to support outlets like Kobo who will give um, Amazon a run for their money. Because if it becomes a one-horse race, Amazon then can set the market conditions. So you know I think as, as indie authors, we owe it to support uh, people like Kobo uh, to enable them to to flourish and to make sure that Amazon have to remain competitive because they're not the only choice in the marketplace. 
Um, so, I using the wonderful, wonderful vellum, have I mentioned how much I love vellum? I love vellum. So, using the wonderful vellum, which outputs files specifically for Kobo, I just took all those files that I already got, and I've uploaded one, two, three, I've uploaded six book formats onto Kobo, and it took me no time at all because of the lovely output files that vellum has already given me when I was processing the Don't Tell Meg trilogy for, for Amazon. I uploaded six books. I've got Dead of Night, which isn't ready to go yet, not uh, not not until it's been through KDP Select, but I, I did it anyway while I was working. So I've got Don't Tell Meg, I've got um, Murder Place, I've got Forgotten Children, and then I've got the two-pack of the Murder Place and Forgotten Children and the box set of all three. They've now been listed on Kobo. Now, I can't release them yet because those books are still in KDP Select. So I've done the work, I've done the listing, and all I've got to do is, is uh, um, I, I've sort of said don't publish until a certain date and then they will go live so they're not on pre-sale they're on a sort of delayed uh, publishing date and then they'll go live on Kobo I'm really happy about that I've wanted to list on Kobo for a long time and uh, interestingly by the way since I last used Kobo even they have changed the interface they've deprecated the um, the editor that they had which is the thing I was having the trouble with and nowadays you just upload your file which I've got from Vellum of course and it all looks beautiful because it's in Vellum and that's it. You just do your listing and say what your price is and all of those bits and pieces, and it takes care of it. So the interface on Kobo, since I last looked at it, um, has also improved and become much simpler. Um, so I will be listing on Kobo uh, in the future. Now, now interestingly, here, here's something else that I did over the weekend. Um, I, I wanted to get my other books, uh, the uh, Secret Bunker Trilogy and The Grid, because I'd when I formatted those the first time, this is you know some time ago now, I had formatted the files in Word, uploaded the files to KDP Select, and most authors would just leave it at that. But what I tended to do, and what I've always done, is I downloaded them as HTML files, I corrected the HTML, and then uploaded the corrected HTML file as my final uh, Amazon you know KDP file that I used. And that meant that I could just make all those little last minute tweaks and get it absolutely uh, perfect. Now, I've never had any complaints about that. And the other thing about my other fiction books, I've never put indexes in. This is the thing that's, that's bothering me. Now, no one has ever complained to me about not having an index in, in, in my ebook versions. And certainly when I read books as an ebook, I just read them straight through. I don't need an index. I just go straight through them. So it's, you know, next page, next page, next page. I just go straight through them. So, um, so I've never felt the need to have an index, to be honest with you, on an ebook, which is why I sort of didn't prioritize it on my own. And as I say, no one has ever complained to me and said, this book would have been great but it didn't have an index. No one's ever said that in any feedback that I've had, but still, <laughs> I'd like to have an index in them. So I thought, right, okay, I'll take my files, my existing files, and I'll reprocess them in Vellum, and then I'll run all my books in Vellum. Well, that unfortunately proved to be more difficult than I thought, because, um, you know, to be honest with you, I can't remember <laughs> what the last file type was. I could download the finished Moby, so the latest version of the file, the published version, I could download as a Moby file, um, but I don't think I can get it as an HTML file anymore. So I don't really have a file that I could just drop into Vellum and turn into a Vellum file. So I messed around a bit at the weekend trying to figure out, you know, how can I do this? How can I take the last polished version of the book, drop it into Vellum, um, create a lovely menu within Vellum, and then just republish from Vellum from now on? And uh, I ended up thinking, do you know what? This is going to take so darn long. No one's complaining. The books are selling. 
don't you know you're wasting your time Paul so in the end I just thought you know what this is not what I'm going to do and that's why I ended up actually listing the books on on Kobo instead so my job for last weekend was to be to uh, to, to take my secret bunker and grid books and put them into vellum and then republish them with vellum files I quickly realized that that was going to be that you know it was a, it was a fool's errand and too much work and and too few results from it so to make sure I used the day productively I ended up listing the don't tell megs on Kobo so at least I felt happy at the end of the day that I'd, I'd moved things on a little bit um, but yeah you know many of the jobs we do are just really not productive and that just didn't feel like a productive job for me so I, you know I may come back and, and and sort that out but not now I'm too busy just now I'm too busy writing and wanting to get books out I'm in a you know I'm trying to get my thrillers into sort of critical mass when I've got seven, I hit critical mass. But when I hit nine, even better by the end of the year, if I get to nine by the end of the year. So I'm really working hard to just get stuff out there. And if I stop by the wayside and fiddle around and do pointless jobs, then I ain't going to be productive. So I decided to ditch that and I'll come back to it another time in the future. But I say the bottom line is no one's complaining. <laughs> you know, this is a self-made job. It's self-made pressure. No one is complaining. So if they're not complaining... I don't need to fix it. If they were, it would make it a more uh, pressing issue. So I've been productive this week, maybe just not with the things that I intended to be, uh, but but I have been um, still very productive. Um, what else have I got to tell you about this week? Oh, yes, uh, non-fiction. I'm, I'm sort of coming round to... Um, I, I gave uh, non-fiction. I can't remember whether I told you this in last week's diary, but um, I've kind of officially abandoned... Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as as topics I'm going to write about uh, and commit to print. They just change too much, and I'm sick to death of it. And you know, and I, I remember I, I ran a software in the past based on Facebook, and you know it changes every five minutes. It drives me spare. And um, you know, if you train, if you train, you're always changing your slides and having to update them because this has moved and that's moved. And and I just want to get out of that that sort of perpetual cycle of having to update. So there are a couple of topics. I was just thinking about the nonfiction that I've done. My WordPress book has always been uh, popular. It's always sold well. Uh, actually, I did some training on Thursday for WordPress. Got some you know amazing uh, feedback. You know, five stars across the board. Uh, for my WordPress training and you know when you sort of see those sweet spots when you think you know this is clearly something that um, that I could do or that people appreciate with the WordPress training you know the feedback university was good on the book um, when I did it and so the the WordPress is going to get updated um, but but even more than that you know I'm doing a lot of the corporate training in Cumbria now for WordPress and it always seems to go down well when I do it for the Alliance of Independent Authors or whenever I do a bit of WordPress training so what I've decided to do is I'm going to update my WordPress book it's not that much out of date actually it's the joy of WordPress is it doesn't really change that much so I'm going to update the WordPress book and then I think I might I might build a training course around it because again when I do all this corporate training it's the most obvious thing on earth to do a day's training and say how about buying the book while you're here? You know, it's 10 quid uh, and, and selling the book at my corporate training. So at least I'm selling some paperbacks or go online and, and, and buy it later. And, and then after that, you know, it seems like a natural progression maybe to have a WordPress um, membership site, a training site where I show you the detail bit by bit in, in videos. So I am sort of thinking, well, that, you know, this is to me is feeling like a natural progression. So so I may be doing that with WordPress. Certainly the book's going to get updated. Whether the um, membership site gets done is, is another matter. But it is beginning to feel like a natural progression um, for me to do that. 
the the other thing that I want to do is is webinars. Now, my my webinar book doesn't sell massively, um, but one of my kind of areas of expertise is is webinars, uh, particularly using GoToWebinar. Now, when I did that webinars book, I decided strategically to to use a free software. It was free at the time. Of course, that was another thing that changed, uh, but it was was free at the time. I can't remember what it was. It was Eddie Meeting or something like that, and um, I didn't use GoToWebinar, which quite frankly is really the only tool you should ever use if you do webinars, and it's the tool I've always used. But I, I used a free software just in case, and actually I probably missed a trick there because thousands of people use GoToWebinar. People who use GoToWebinar are not strapped for cash because it's quite an expensive bit of software, and actually it makes all the sense in the world to write a really great book about doing webinars with all the marketing techniques in that I've added in that book um, using GoToWebinar because you're you're selling then to people who aren't cash strapped and aren't going to worry about paying 10 quid for a book. So I think I'm going to rewrite the webinars guide that I've done, but I'm going to rewrite it for GoToWebinar. And the thing that's made me think that is that I've been doing um, a series of webinars for the Chamber of Commerce where I'm doing sort of three days uh, work a week. Uh, and it's been a while since I used GoToWebinar. And when I'm doing these things, I'm thinking, you know, I, you know, I really do know this software very well. And, and I, I know exactly how to run you know, webinars on this thing. And, and actually, it is quite complicated. If you use GoToWebinar for the first time, you'd probably struggle with it. So um, that, again, feels like natural progression. And in terms of this idea of expert positioning, you know, what is it that I know a lot about where I can share a lot of knowledge that people will appreciate? Well, actually, webinars is another topic that I know a lot about and I've had a lot of experience on. And also in my internet marketing past, we once sold, wait for it, uh, over $100,000 worth of, um, of product on a single webinar. Um, now, I just like to sort of put some small print on this. You know, I didn't make $100,000 from that, um, but we sold $100,000 off it. Um, and, you know, I got my share of that. I think I made, I think my share was five or six thousand pounds, which you know, is not to be stiffed at for an hour long webinar. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, believe you me, it was an amazing uh, feat. But, you know, it, um, we were doing it with a partner. The partner took a percentage. I was doing it with another partner. He took a higher percentage because his, his list was bigger than mine. But I think, you know, uh, we sold something like, I can't remember the numbers now because it was a long time ago, but I think we sold something like $55,000 on the live webinar and $45,000 on the replay. And um, and as I say, I think my take from that, you know, what went in my pocket, I think was five thousand pounds, five or six thousand pounds, which is amazing, you know, for an hour's work. I didn't even present the webinar. I was just like, you know, introduced it, I think. Um, so and there are all sorts of factors involved in that. Now, you know, we had a big list at the time. We'd done a big launch. Uh, people were very keen. So please don't be distracted by that. It's not something you could do every five minutes. Um, but because I've got that experience and I, and I know how it's done, um, then, you know, I've really got something valuable uh, to share. So I think I'm going to do the webinars one as well. And um, email marketing is something that I know a lot about too. You know, I've had a list of 25,000. I've done massive launches where we've built, added thousands of people to lists uh, in one go. Um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm, you know, I know all about internet marketing, very poor at doing it, uh, mainly from a, you know, from a motivational point of view. I, I know exactly what to do. I just don't do it. Um, and I know I should do, but, um, I also, I can share a lot of knowledge about, um, internet marketing, you know, particularly something like MailChimp, which a lot of people use and, and the new thing that's on my radar because it's free and you can get a thousand subscribers for free without even putting a credit card in. Uh, and that is MailerLite, something that I'm looking at converting to later on in this year. 
So um, I think I'm going to do some non-fiction books uh, alongside the fiction. I think I can fit it in alongside them. And I'm also beginning to work up towards some some shorter courses as well. So you know where I'm going with my thinking on this. Now, the thing about the non-fiction books is they're a lot easier, a lot easier to write. It's really just a brain dump, a lot easier than fiction. Uh, it's really just a case of, you know, what's in my head. If I could stick a USB into my ear and download the files into into text format, it would be great. But essentially, I'm just downloading what's in my head. Uh, the books are pretty well written, so two of them are just a case of updating them. The webinars one, I will need to do some extra screenshots and content for, but I can get those out fairly quickly, I think. And it is my aim to get those out over the course of this year, because I do want to also produce um, non-fiction. I don't want to just do fiction I want to do non-fiction too because that helps me with my positioning as a podcast host as a tutor and as a speaker but it also um, helps my work uh, with with corporates with local businesses as well so it all that all feels like it makes sense to me and and again you know just to put the sort of business slant on this we're independent authors most of us are not going to publish the first book and, and be the, the next sort of girl on the train uh, runaway success. Most of us are going to have to build a business around this. So my non-fiction helps me to build the the other part of the business, you know, the speaker business, the training business, uh, the, the stuff where I can earn money for doing uh, training days um, and, and webinars and things like that. Okay, this is running quite long, actually, so I better rattle on with it. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, that I did an interview, a second interview with Tim Lewis for Begin Self Publishing. Begin Self Publishing is is what I would call it's like a buddy podcast for this podcast. Um, in that, um, it, you know, it's perfect if you listen to this show. Please listen to Tim's podcast because if you're at that kind of earlier stage in your writing career, you will get hopefully great value from this show. You'll certainly get great value from Tim's show. And Tim is just sort of like the more kind of, you know, social media-y technical side of being an independent author. Lots of great tips. And I'm always I'm always learning stuff when I listen to Tim's podcast. Um, and also, you know, we've become sort of good online buddies as well. So um, Tim, Tim asked me to do another interview about my messages of the moment, which are Insta Freebie, sharing my experiences and successes on Insta Freebie, but also sharing the knowledge about how to use Vellum with a PC. Uh, by the way, I'm doing a full presentation on that for the Alliance of Independent Authors Author Fringe event, which takes place on the 3rd of June. I'll be recording that in a weekend or two's time, and you'll be able to access that in the Fringe event. So make sure you're subscribed for updates about the Alliance of Independent Authors Fringe event for Saturday, 3rd of June. Um, so great to talk to Tim again. Um, and um, I, I am wondering whether I'm just being a, bit, a little bit too honest on these interviews, you know, because... I, I, do, I just hear so many people, as I'm sure you do, with, on podcasts saying, you know, like, you know, I went to sleep, had a dream, wrote a book in my sleep, and now I'm a millionaire. I'm hearing so many of those stories, which I want to hear because I need to know how people have done it. But but sometimes it's quite refreshing to hear about people who are also, you know, struggling to do it and to get that traction. And so I'm really, really, um, you know, becoming quite passionate about sharing the stuff that isn't working to the stuff that failed, as well as the stuff that works. Otherwise, the impression is that everybody's doing better than you. So I want you to hear about the rubbish stuff that isn't going well on this podcast, as well as the stuff that is going well, so that you get a balanced view of, of, of my kind of author journey. And believe me, lots does go wrong. Um, so I'm now also, um, I, I'm kind of now I've, when Dead of Night's done, 
I'm now going to focus while I'm just writing. I just, with um, burden of guilt, I just have to turn up every Friday and write 5,000 words and that book will get done. So now I'm out of editing now. I'm just into writing. Uh, that means that I could use my time now. I could get some podcast guests edited. So I'm, I've got podcast guests. Look at my sheet. I've got guests sorted out till episode 67. In this quarter of the year, I want to be sorted up to episode 75 if I can. I actually know who the guests are that I want to take me up to episode 75. I'm trying to get a little bit more balance in with the recording. What I've tended to find with the podcast is that I get people really bunched up, so I may be doing six or seven over a really tight period of time. and It's quite um, you know, quite tiring and quite intense. What I'm trying to do is to get people booked for the podcast just a little bit, um, bit, a little bit better spread out so that I'm not doing the interviews all the time, uh, because sometimes it can feel overwhelming with the interviews. I'm trying to find a more even pace for them. And particularly as I've, I've hit the year mark now, I've got more of a sense of the rhythms of the podcast and how many weeks I need to be ahead, You know how long it takes me to find guests and to process them. So I am trying to even that out, because if I can even out the podcast work, that, then frankly, it's more likely to survive. You know, Because when, I, when I'm under siege and I've got too many things to do, clearly the podcast is one thing that I could drop to make more time. I don't want to do that because I, I really like doing the podcast and I really feel like it's beginning to get traction now. It's really good figures for this month now. I'm very um, sort of regularly getting safe figures on the podcast now um, that I'm a lot happier with. So it just feel like it's growing and we're kind of hitting that point now where people are joining the podcast and sharing it and finding out about it. So I, I you know, I want to, I want to keep it going, but I do need to make sure it works into my weekly uh, routine. So I, I am booking up podcast guests now. Um, really, you know, I'm really quite determined to try and get to that 100th episode, if we can, in the new year. Uh, this quarter, I've got to record up to episode 75. So um, I just say to you, you know, would you make a great guest for the podcast? Let me tell you who I'm after for this podcast, um, because I do have a set criteria. I am going to ask you these questions if we haven't already met. So I'm going to say to you, if, you, if you're going to be on the podcast, you need to have self-published at least one book. You need to have made some sales of that book and you must have an online presence. If I can't find you on Twitter, Facebook and a website at the very least, then it's not really going to work because we're dealing in an electronic medium here. And I need to say to people, here's a great author. You know, you can find them online. So if I can't find you online, I'm not going to be interested in talking to you. So get that author site sorted out uh, if you haven't got one yet. Um, and also, you mustn't be terrified of talking to me over Skype because that's how I record. I don't do video. It's just you and me chatting like it's on a phone call over Skype. So um, if that's you, if you are an independent author who's, who feels like you've got... Um, a story to tell, you want to tell me, explain to me how you do things and the hurdles you've overcome and how you sell your books. If you've got a self-publishing story to share, then I'd like to hear it uh, on the podcast. And this podcast does really try to focus on, um, you know, not on the big authors that you'll hear on all the other podcasts. Now, um, I have had a couple of authors on recently, uh, you know, mainly for my sort of personal edification, people like Adam Croft. Um, we've got um, Mark Edwards coming on on Monday. I'm going to be talking to, I hope, uh, yet to confirm it, but it looks like I'm talking to Rachel Abbott and we had Angie Marsons on. So every now and then I have these kind of huge mega authors who are doing amazing things. Um, but most of the time, I want to be talking to authors who are trying to get things going. You know, those authors who aren't a household name and those authors who aren't appearing on other people's podcasts. If that's you, uh, drop me a note, an email, and let me know. 
And I recorded an interview with Robert Scott Norton this week. Now, uh, Robert lives in the UK and he came to my attention through my giveaway. It was um, was it, it was the dystopian giveaway, the first one. And um, one of the other side benefits of doing my Insta freebie giveaways is that I actually connect with more interesting authors. I've got a whole list of people that um, I sort of encountered or have encountered running my Insta freebie giveaways who I want to talk to for you know, for this podcast. So if you're one of those authors, I said, uh, we must talk, just just be aware that I've got quite a, a list of people that are waiting to talk to at the moment, but I, I am working through it. And, um, you know, you're all on the list. If I've said that I want to talk to you, you are on the list. The other thing I have to achieve, obviously, is a balance of genres and topics and things like that. So I will be getting in touch with you if I, if I said I'm going to get in touch with you. And, and Robert Scott Norton was the first of those uh, this week. Uh, he lives in, I think it's Merseyside he lives, or certainly near that area. Uh, he's getting his self-publishing business going around a day job. Done some nice books and some really nice work. A really, really interesting conversation with Robert. And that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, I'm just checking my piece of paper here. I kind of write notes as I go through the week of things that I've got to remember to tell you. Just making sure that I've done everything there now. Yeah, we're up to date, which is great. So, at 39 minutes, I think that's a record. I do apologise. So, I hope, you you know, if you're cutting the lawn or something, I hope it's a big lawn or doing the washing. I hope you've got a lot of washing um, because it's been a long one this week. Um, My guest on Monday show is Mark Edwards. Now, I'm really desperate to talk to Mark because... Uh, Mark, if I if I said to you an author whose books I want to be like, I want my books to be like Mark Edwards. Okay, I I, I have read Mark Edwards' books. I haven't read them all yet, but I'm you know I'm working through them. And when I read those books, I think that is the type of book I want to write. That's exactly what I want to write. That's exactly uh, what I'm aiming for. Uh, the way that Mark Edwards writes, the topics that he has, the, the sort of psychological thrillers. So you know, I was really keen to talk to him. And I've been chasing him for a while. He knocked me back the first time, but said yes the second time. We had a really good conversation. Uh, Mark's an amazing guy. He started self-publishing. If, if, if you if you think you've had knockbacks in your self-publishing career, you listen to the resilience of Mark Edwards. My goodness, there are so many times when he should have given up. He really should have given up, and he didn't. And now he's a phenomenal success, and I just love reading his books. And he's going to be my guest on Monday's podcast, Monday the 1st of May, Mark Edwards, psychological thriller writer. Please join me then. I'll be back in another week's time with another Paul's Podcast Diary. In the meantime, have a fantastic week of writing. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.